Hello and welcome to the Daily Post podcast. My name is Yuri Mello. I will be your host as I guide you through the most valuable and relevant emotional and psychological ideas. Ideas that will transform your perspective and enhance your personal life and relationships. Let's do this. This is episode number 39. Hello there and welcome back. It's good to be here for another weekly challenge. It's really a privilege to be here to remind you and to remind myself as a way for you to exercise your own personal perspective and to clean up our own personal lenses a bit. Really, my focus is to help you and myself, really, to direct your energy, your intelligence, your wisdom, and your efforts towards those things that are our greatest worth and that are deserving of our very best attempts and efforts. This week's focus is all about helping you respond to life more gracefully. It's all about lightening up and not sweating the small stuff. And according to Richard Carlson, right, who's the author of Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, it's all small stuff. Now, he wrote quite a few of these best-selling books before he passed away, which is actually quite tragic because he was quite young. And there's actually a pretty good chance that if you go and look around through your house, you'll probably find one or two of these laying around your house. I did. (laughs) Anyways, the focus of his book is all about altering your perspective and transforming our approach to life, moving away from being reactive, rushing, over-dramatizing, and making our lives a constant state of emergency, constantly striving, pruning, tightening, cleaning, managing the perceptions of others, and chasing people's approval, and in general, living a life in a state of want, always needing more and more, and never experiencing the peace and contentment of life and of living because we're always lacking, right? Lacking at home, lacking at work, lacking with family, lacking with friends. Man, that just sounds hellish. Well, let's fix this, right? Well, here are some tips that may be of use to you. In his many books, Richard gives many suggestions, but for today's purpose, out of hundreds that he has given, I'm just going to pick five that have captured my attention and that I feel are relevant to our time right now, and I hope that you can enjoy them too. And perhaps you can even text me back what you feel are your best don't-sweat-the-small-stuff strategies and techniques that you've utilized throughout your life. So, let's begin. Number one, every day, this is one of his techniques, every day tell at least one person Something you like, appreciate, or admire about them. I'm reminded of some words that I heard a while ago that for whatever reason just struck me deeply. Maybe it was because that was something that I desired at the time, but it spoke of the deep need and desire that we have to hear a kind word directed toward us. My daughter actually told me of just an experience just like that a few days ago. When a brave girl, that's a friend of hers, simply just complimented, she was brave enough to compliment her on how she viewed her as a good friend. Such a simple phrase. Just a few words 
haphazardly strewn together. And yet the emotional impact was deep. It was memorable. It was edifying. And that's it. Let's make your conversations with others edifying, encouraging, and inspiring. I sometimes wonder, is there something that's stopping us from doing this? Are we fearful that it makes us vulnerable or that it exposes us a little bit? Maybe it makes us feel soft or weak, or perhaps we're fearful that if we if we give too much positive, somehow the person will become arrogant or prideful or somehow they'll have too much confidence or self-esteem, whatever it is. But maybe we're just fearful that it won't be reciprocated. Maybe that's what it is. Whatever the reason, can we lift our sights above our fear and do something that is good? For heaven's sakes, all you need to do is this one. Pay attention, observe, watch a little bit to look for something good. It's everywhere. I promise it's every, everywhere. Look for the goodness in people. And three, say it. Open your mouth and express it. Express something that you admire, something that you like, something that you appreciate. Listen to me. We've got this. You've got this. Two, Another suggestion that he gives is don't take your moods too seriously. And I would add to this, don't take other people's moods too seriously either. In other words, allow people to feel other things beyond ease and happy. Richard, in his book, Richard Carlson, the author, states that the key is to be grateful for our good moods and graceful in our low moods. Remember that emotions are constantly in motion. That's why they're called emotions. This is an essential part of therapy for me. And those whom I've treated over the years, I'm always seeking to change the relationship between ourselves and our feelings and also our thoughts. Listen to this. The more accepting we are of our thoughts and feelings, the less we try to harness them the less we try to cajole them, manipulate them, repress them, deny them, fight against them, and thus the larger we make them and the more likely we are to become stuck and overly condemning of how we feel. Receive your emotions gently. Express them. Acknowledge them. Observe them a bit. There's something that needs to be done, something that needs to be talked about. And then continue on. Let it ride along with you for a while and watch it fizzle out and likely become something else entirely. It's really very interesting. Of course, there are mood disorders which impact the frequency and intensity of emotions to the point that managing them is very challenging and is very difficult. But even in those circumstances, learning how to respond and treat our emotions will make a dramatic impact and will ultimately soften their impact on our felt experience and upon our behavior. Number three, and this is one of my favorites, resist the urge to criticize. You can really join this to suggestion number one, really, and make it just a total package. Richard made a statement in his book that really stuck with me. He says, I find that those who are in the habit of criticizing and correcting others are often resented 
and avoided. But I think there's even a deeper casualty. And that's our joy, your joy, your habit. And I think it's interesting that he called it a habit, right? Because that means it's something we've practiced or something that was practiced on us. But either way, I think that that gives us power to correct it, right? Anyways, he said that it's a habit. Your habit of correcting and critiquing makes it difficult to be loving, to enjoy life where we are or who we're with. It makes it hard to be happy, makes it hard to be peaceful, in part because nothing is ever well. Something is always lacking. I've also found that most of our criticism is based on ideas or opinions that we have made early in life. Opinions that we will spend a lifetime proving to be right. This is that, uh, it's that performance bias, right? It means that whatever that we believe, we see what we ultimately believe, right? And so our brain will ultimately attempt to prove the things we have opinions about. These opinions naturally grow and develop into how we think that life should be, where we should live, how we should be treated, treated, and how we think that other people around us should live. These ideas are subtle and they are cleverly disguised as truth and as things that we believe we must have or as deep needs. But honestly, many of them are not primal needs. They're not essential needs. They're preferences. They are likes and dislikes. So what's the solution? Well, we can begin by when we feel the urge to critique or complain, we can slow the process down. Maybe we can even ask ourselves a question. Is this just a preference or is it a need? Will it matter in five days, in five months, in five years from now? If not, then we're not looking at a psychological principle or some spiritual truth. It's just a preference. Now, this doesn't mean that it can't or shouldn't be expressed. It can, and perhaps we should be brave enough to express it. But because it isn't a need or a critical part of the truth of life, about life, we will express it as such. We will see it and express it as a preference, a wish, something that we would life, like instead of criticizing. John Gottman, I don't know if you know who he is, but he has written a bunch of books about marriage and relationships and how to communicate effectively. Well, he is really at, at the heart. He's really a researcher. And he, char- he characterized criticism as one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. You know, basically the four horsemen of the apocalypse are supposed to bring about the apocalypse, right? So criticism being number one, followed by defensiveness, contempt, and finally stonewalling. Criticism really being the kindling for the other four. Gottman says that criticism is an attack on a person's character, not a criticism of their behavior, but of your partner's whole person. And this usually shows up in your relationships in the form of you always do this or you never do this kind of statements. 
which I have certainly found myself falling into that pattern of communication. And almost always it leads to defensiveness and hurt. Always. John's solution to this pattern of communication isn't to just be quiet and ignore all of our wishes, but it's to express them as requests or wishes or preferences. And I definitely have some work to do in this area. And I'm sure that you honestly, you probably do too. So let's remember instead that being listened to and understood are one of the greatest desires of our heart and soul. It's possible in my mind that the seed of love is truly born here. And the opposite, which is being ignored, rejected, and misunderstood are likely our greatest sources of emotional sorrow. So because we understand ourselves and our urge to criticize better, we can now resist this urge. And as a result, and as a result begin to deflate some of the energy in our complaints and criticisms. Number four, think of our problems as potential teachers. Look, I think that this is a key philosophy and doctrine about life. It's one of the perspectives that Richard feels is essential to removing the fatal and emergency all the time out of our life. And it makes sense when we view our life and every experience as a process, an important process at that, then we change how we relate to those experiences and ultimately how we experience Winston Churchill's words here ring totally true to me. He says, failure is not fatal. Success is not final. This helps us to see that within every experience, the seeds of growth, improvement, and even motivation are there. Carlson says, and I kind of liked this quote as well, he says that true happiness comes not when we get rid of all of our problems, but when we change our relationship to them, when we see our problems as a potential source of awakening, opportunities to practice and to learn. Life is a process, not just one thing after another. And when we lose it, we just go again. And five, practice loving kindness. I'm reminded of Paul's scriptural writings, and I'm going to quote it here, and he puts it pretty candidly, but pretty hopefully as well. He says, and I love the wording actually, I think it's magical. He says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. I love that actually. But only that which is good and edifying that it may minister grace unto the hearer. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor, I love that, like noise, right? And evil speaking be put away from you, and be ye kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. I like that Richard referred to this as something that we practice instead of something that should just be natural for all of us. I urge you as a friend to make this incremental change in your life and practice more loving kindness. Place it at the forefront of your mind, tattoo it on your heart, and engrave it in your hands so that when the millions of daily opportunities arise, you may practice this loving kindness which will encourage internal peace 
and external peace as well. My dear friends, this week, alter your perspective and practice these skills as a way to stop sweating the small stuff. And it's all small stuff, right? And bringing some much needed peace into your life. And I'll see you tomorrow to continue on to this channel. Bye-bye.